welcome to Dance Matters Podcast, the place where we talk all things dance and the performing arts industry. A place where we share knowledge and real stories from people in the industry in the hope of inspiring and educating. We are your hosts, Kaylee and Charlie. It's always an exciting day and we get to talk to a fellow podcaster. Today we are thrilled that we get to sit down for a chat with the fabulous Erin Pride. Erin grew up with a love for dance. That love for dance led her to performing and then to teaching dance at school. Eventually she discovered that teaching dance wasn't fulfilling her as much as it used to. It was this drive to find something more that led her into creating her own online dance business. In 2019 she started the Dance Boss podcast. Dance Boss Podcast is designed to help guide dance entrepreneurs who are wanting to share their dance expertise in an online space. In 2020, she started her online coaching business, Dancepreneur Academy, aimed at helping fellow people in the dance industry monetize their work in an online space. We are very excited to chat to her today. Please welcome Erin. Hi Erin, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Erin, you are the host of your own podcast, Dance Boss Podcast, and founder of Dance Entrepreneur Academy, where your goal is to coach dance professionals to launch their own dance business. Can you first take us back, though, to the beginning and tell us what first drew you to dance? Okay, so I grew up in the inner city. I'm, I'm in the United States. I grew up in New Jersey, and I grew up in the hood. <laughs> so it's like the ghetto. My parents were both educators, and involving us in extracurricular activities was really important to them. So my mom and dad put all the girls in dance, and it stuck with me. And then there was a high school in my town that was an arts high school, and it was the safest high school at that time to go to. So it was either like get accepted into dance for that high school or they would have to pay to get me to go to a private school. So they used dance to keep me safe and I just fell in love with it. So dance was essentially somewhere, was your safe place to go. Was that your relationship with dance growing up? Did you want to become a dancer? Honestly, so I danced in high school like regular. That was a part of my day, which I'm really blessed for. I think I always enjoyed it, but I don't think I realized that it's something that I wanted to pursue until after I graduated college. When it was time to go to college and my parents said, what do you want to go for? I said dance because I couldn't see myself just sitting in academic classes all day and having a major that was academic. Like I was like, this is going to make me so bored and I won't be able to like grab onto it. So when I graduated college, it was time to hit the audition scene. And I just, that's what I wanted to do. Like I didn't ever want to get a corporate job. I didn't ever want to put on a suit and go to a job. I wanted to be a creative. You headed to university as you said, and undertook a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Dance. Why did you decide to continue your education instead of just trying to hit the audition scene straight away? I wasn't technically proficient enough. Like, I know who I am. I'm honest about that. And I believe I have talent and had talent at during that time, but I don't think that I had the training that fostered that talent in high school. So, you know, college was a lot of catch-up for me, and I feel like that by the time that I graduated college, I was proficient enough, but I'm one of those people who needed that time. I needed that training. I needed that so badly to pursue dance. In Australia, most of our dancers who want to become professional dancers head to a full-time dance program where they might do a year or two of full-time dance training. Do you have many full-time dance schools in America? I mean, we have like conservatories. Like after high school, if you get accepted into the conservatory, 
And I had a student who went to a conservatory for high school. They left my school and went for high school. So there is opportunity. But first of all, it's expensive. It's hard to get into some of them. So some are expensive. Some are hard to get into, right? And, and growing up in an inner city and having students that are in an inner city, that's not usually something that I was exposed to or them. And I tried to introduce them to that. You then headed to New York University where you completed your master's in dance education. Why did you decide to do the extra study? Oh my gosh. Well, I got a job as a high school dance teacher at the, the school I graduated from. I fell in love. And like, you know how I was, it was easy for me to tell you I wasn't proficient in dance. That's why I went to college. It's easy for me to say I was an excellent educator off the bat. It's like, I can say what I'm good at and what I wasn't good at. It was in my body. My parents were both educators. And then I also really enjoyed like working in the K through 12 setting, but I didn't enjoy like how they made us do things. They didn't really anything to the arts or dance. So it was just about me being curious and saying, okay, like I love teaching. I understand these concepts, but how can I understand them to connect them to dance? And a master's seemed like a great decision. Also to add in my school district, if you have a master's, you get paid more money. So that was also a part of it too. I wanted to make sure that I was moving up on that pay scale. What was the career goal at that point? Did you enjoy teaching at a high school? I don't think that I ever had to ask myself if I wanted to stay in the school. It was like I was present in the moment. It was so good. It was so good. It's like, I don't know. I never imagined myself not being in love with it. And then I did catch the bug of like, I want to perform. Palabalus is my favorite company. And they had an audition when I was about 33. And I auditioned for them. And I got cut the last day. And then I sent them an email and they gave me a full scholarship and then they invited me to dance with their touring company Palabalus Creative Services so I was able to do that as well and my job was great about it. Do you still work as a high school dance teacher? I am still a teacher so I have a parasite in my right eye that I've been dealing with since May and it's it's gotten severely better but there was a point when I was like this basically and couldn't drive and watch TV so I'm on medical leave until November 23rd if I go back this will be my last year okay and it's my fifth this is my 15th year and what's making you think that it's your last year why do you want to move on from that I don't want to teach anymore I love my business like and I went through all the transitions and all the uncomfortability of like identity crisis when I finally when I came to a realization that it's something that I didn't want to do that was 10 years ago it's five years later it's been a slow transition right it's like okay you don't want to do this anymore but what are you going to do with the rest of your life and I found out what I really enjoy in this season and I'm ready to leave it's just about adulting really hard and doing the research pension health insurance talk to husband what's the plan what's the savings what's you know, because I want to do it right, even though I, I want to do it right now. But yeah, I just feel it. And honestly, like I used to be so scared. Like, is anybody going to teach my kids that well? Like, I love them. I need to like, like, I am not that important. There are a million amazing people in the world. And my students deserve somebody who is ready to fully invest in them. When did you start working as a dance education coach? That's a great question. So I think it was like year 12, maybe. And I'm paraphrasing the years, I think. I that's Remember year 10 was the year where I was like, I don't think I want to teach anymore. I was burnt out. I just didn't enjoy it. And then like year 12, I, I like took the leap and I heard a podcast, the dance podcast with Lauren Rifty. One of my classmates was in on it. And I'm like, what? 
people can speak on the microphone and talk about like anything related to dance. So I picked up a microphone and talked about what I knew and I knew how to teach really well and I knew how to get students to improve. So that's how I started. So I started with the podcast and I started selling programs and having a membership and then the pandemic hit and I was like, I like I'm playing myself like, you know, Aaron, you do not want to be talking about dance education, just like you don't want to be in the dance classroom. I'm burnt out. Like I know it. So then it was the decision I made along with the support of my coach. Like, what do you really want to do? And what I wanted to do was help dancers grow online businesses, just like I had done. What is the role of a dance education coach? What does that essentially mean? Okay, so I think it can mean a lot of different things. If I can go back in time and know what I knew now, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a dance education coach because it wasn't specific. I would have called myself something like a dance curriculum coach or something like that really specific. So I think anything could embody a dance education coach, but I wouldn't suggest that anybody be that vague, like really pinpoint on this area of dance education that you're an expert in and that is what you should claim in the open. Now as you've said you started to build your own business you're moving away from teaching how have you developed that into a full-time role? Well it's taken a lot of blood sweat tears joy happiness like I mean I love this work it's just it's just like when I started teaching like it was hard right it like oh lesson plans go teach kids attitudes like whoa everything's coming at you and you're like this is hard but you have such a love for it the hard is manageable and you figure it out. The same thing happened with this. Like, I love it and it's hard and I value education at a very high level. And I also am very honest with myself about what I don't know. So then if I love this, if it's really hard, how do I get the right people in my life to guide me and support me so that it gets easier? You started the Dance Boss podcast in 2018. Why did you decide to start a podcast? I didn't even know podcasting was a thing. I didn't know people put people in their ears. Like, I feel like I was late to the game but I saw one of my classmates put a post saying I'm gonna be on this podcast and I'm like I want to listen it was just that it's one of those things I'm like if this person can do it why can't I and that's been like the question of my entire life what is the goal behind your podcast the goal well it shifted just like my business did my first goal was to talk about ways that dance educators could enhance student growth by creating curriculum and benchmarks and lesson plans that they actually use and then I would bring on other dance educators to share their perspective. So when I switched my niche, my program promise, and now I help online dance business owners scale to 5K months, my podcast changed. So now I teach about business concepts and I bring in dancers and dance professionals who have really cool online businesses because I want people to see what they can do. Something I really enjoy about having my dance background and going into business is I do my best to share about business and use dance as parallels. So I'll take a lot of concepts and examples from class or performance and put that into context when talking about business. You have released over 155 episodes. What content does your podcast cover? So I have released that many? Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) Thank you. So this is what I would say. If you want to get knowledge on dance education and running a better dance classroom and hearing from people and me, do like from season one to season three or four. If you want to learn how to grow an 
online business and hear from others that have online businesses, go from season four to now. And then, then you're good. Like, so you can like get both kind of people on that one. Who are some of the guests you have had? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I had Lauren Richie. I was like fangirling her because I... First podcast I heard, I was like, oh my God, I gotta be, she has to be on my podcast. I had her, I had Kim Elliott, whom I love. She's really making an impact in the hip hop dance arena. I had Jessica from IntelliDance, but she has recently sold that to Trisha from Rhythm Dance Works. I had her on it too. Oh my gosh, I couldn't even do it justice, but those are just some of the people that pop on the top of my head. You have a very successful podcast with a lot of listeners and sponsors. What are the key points to creating a successful podcast? Well, I think success is relative right like I mean I got one sponsor Apollo Performance I've had others I've had one other you know but it was just timing and not success is timing and not fear of asking for what you want I saw Apollo posting about free shops I said yeah I want a pair then I was like oh I love these wow I'm starting a podcast I was like can you be on my podcast I love your shops so I don't have a magic wand like I am just another person it's just that like I ask for what I want and then as far as like people continuously listening to the show I'm so grateful for that I think honestly because I have made a decision to not edit who I am and then I have made a decision to realize that that's going to call people in who want me and then it's going to propel people who don't so I don't think the podcast has like millions of listeners we have a lot of downloads but we have like a tribe of like 300 people that listen faithfully and that's a blessing and that means a lot to me you're the founder of Dancepreneur Academy can you tell us about that so Dancepreneur Academy is the the group program it's my six-month group program and it's for dance professionals who want to start generating 5k months and I teach them how to do this by honing in on their dance area specialty and then we take their dance area specialty and we create a group signature virtual program that they're they learn how to launch they learn how to build like we go into curriculum we go into program promise launching revising data and by the end of the program they would have launched this program two times so by the time they leave me they understand how to use their dance specialty and run a group program and bring in five figures a month so that's my goal it's like I talked to somebody today because she's interested in the working with me and I was like how much do you make a month or how much do you want she's like honestly I don't even know at the end of the year I tally my totals I want dancers to think different I'm not a money guru I'm on my own journey so don't think this is me advising you but I'm just saying like I remember like I was so scared of money I didn't know my money I had debt I was handling my money irresponsibly and then I made a decision when I made a business that I want a healthy business and I want my business to support the livelihood I want. And I had to start charging what I knew I needed to survive and live life past survival. And I had to start getting a bookkeeper and understanding my numbers. And so I want dancers to understand like, you're gonna take your gifts and you're gonna share them in the world, but you gotta understand how to do business and you gotta understand money, right? So I bring in guests to teach about that. Who are the people you think would most benefit from signing up to your program? The people that I think would most benefit is a professional dancer in whatever regard we want to say it. Who has a drive, not just an idea, there's a difference, a drive to be an entrepreneur and to use their skill set to make money. That's who would be good at it. I don't want the people who have an idea, but they don't want to do the work. You have to have the idea 
and have the willingness to roll up your sleeves and do the work. Those are the people that would be great. What is the number one thing that dance businesses come to you asking advice on? Like, how do I niche down? How do I grow my Instagram? Like, they ask me questions, but when they come to me with that, I know that that it's like the question, but then I got to dig and get to the real question. And the real question is like, how do I know my product will work? How do I speak to my audience? How do I get people to buy? Those are the real questions people want to ask usually. What do you think is the key to developing a successful dance business? Oh, I think it's like dance, mind, body, and soul, right? It's not about just strategy and knowing the concepts. It's about implementation. It's about education, filling your mind and learning. It's about taking care of your body and not being tied to your business, caring for your vessel and your soul, whatever that means to you. How do you connect to self? Like for me, it's meditation. It's tapping right now. I just got into tapping. Like it's about that whole embodiment because when you're growing a business, I don't believe you're growing a business. You're growing yourself as an individual and you're creating a pathway for a life that you want. And I believe to have a full life, you need to explore your mind, body, and soul connection. I can see a lot of dancers needing this kind of education. We have a lot of full-time dance schools where they study dance, dance, dance for a year and then get thrown out into the world and there you go, go on audition. And they don't know about superannuation. They don't know about saving money. They don't know about how much money they should be charging for their jobs. Is that where it really came from, that idea that they're not getting that education? Well, funny enough, I was in my high school and I think I'm pretty sure it came from here because this is where my mind always goes. I had a bunch of students who didn't want to go to college for dance but they still love dance but they didn't understand how to have dance in their life so I came up with the idea to have a dance entrepreneurship course where they actually built out a product or a service so that I could show them that there's other opportunities in the dance industry so I think that that is what catapulted me and then as I got into actually the work I do I reflected like dad in college I wish somebody would have told me about money wow in high school I wish I would have understood like the possibility and the potential and how to balance everything. So yeah, I definitely think that played a part in it. I've talked to many professional dancers and there's a little bit of a common theme. The ongoing struggle to get people to recognize their work and value it as they do other businesses. People are always expecting dancers to perform for free or for a small cost compared to what they would pay the equivalent person in the singing industry, the acting industry or sports world. What are your thoughts on how we can make sure dancers are being paid the amount of money that they deserve? That's a really big question that I don't think that I could answer but I can say when they start like as far as performing I think that's union I think that's colleges I think it's changing the entire system like it's so deep it's so embedded deeply how can dancers get paid what they need if they're in the online space selling their products or services is first of all sitting down writing down what they need a lot of people don't know what they need a lot of people are guessing oh I want to make this I need to make this like write down what you need in your life to, to survive today and then write down what kind of life you have are you somebody who wants to go once a week to get massage? I don't care what it is. Do you want Starbucks every day? Like, this is judgment-free. And then total that up. Like, how much is that a year? And then... How many times a year are you going to run your product, your service, and, and how many people you think are going to buy it and then divide it? And that should give you a baseline of how much you should be charging. It's not as simple as just saying like, oh, I would like to make this much. And I think that's a misconception. Like it's thinking about your needs and the future that you want. Do you find it's difficult for people to put a value on what they do and whether they should be asking that amount of money for the services they provide? Oh my gosh, this is a huge conversation coming up for my clients and it always does inside a Dancepreneur Academy. And I'm posting a lot about it 
on social media right now. I think that we forget that we're offering a transformation. Every dance teacher transforms lives, right? We, everything we do transforms lives. And there's so many things that go into pricing. Number one, like it's not hourly because we're spending so much time behind the scenes, whether it's working with your clients, doing the lesson planning, doing um, the back end, whatever. It's not hourly, but you should base it on the transformation that you're offering them. And you should base it off of the money you need and learning to accept that and value that is just work. A therapist can help with that. A mindset coach can help with that. But that's a lot of like untraining what we think, what we have been taught our whole careers. Throughout this career, blazing a trail in the dance business world, what would you put have been your highlights? Oh my gosh. So I got featured in Dance Magazine. That was a highlight. And let me tell you how I got featured. I was on a podcast and they were connected to Dance Magazine and I asked, I asked, right? Like, and I'm, I'm transparent around it because I want people to know like, I, I mean, I have my own unicorn gifts like anybody else, but I ask for everything I want. The other thing is just my continued partnership with Apollo. Like, oh my gosh, those women are just good people. And anytime I get good people to have my back, I am so thankful. Like they have my back and it is just so meaningful to me. Um, Another highlight is growing my team. I have all contractors on my team, but I have now a, a virtual assistant slash personal assistant. And it's just pushing me and showing me how I can be a leader. And it's making me hold up a mirror and reflect at myself and check my ego in so many ways. So that is a great learning opportunity. And then one more I'll list is investing in a program I've had my eye on for about over a year. It's a really expensive program for coaching, business coaching, my own coaching, but I absolutely am in alignment with everything this woman speaks to. And to be at a place where that could happen, I'm so grateful for. Do you think it's important to keep educating yourself in that way? For me, like I think everybody needs to find out what works for them. I'm not the type of person who can read a book and implement like I get bored like don't do that like I can't or I can't take a course that is self-recorded and do it like I won't I need live human interaction I need to ask questions I need to get perspective shifts I need somebody to see my blind spots so I think educating yourself as a human is always important but the means in which you do it is unique to you so you just need to be true to that now you've had some amazing highlights what have been the greatest challenges that you've faced oh my gosh I'm in one right now like I'm ready to leave my job tomorrow and I'm married now I just got married two months so now I gotta have a I told my husband I would stay till the end of the year but I want to leave so now what's the challenge adulting 100 having that conversation about my husband with my husband because it's not about only me anymore that's the challenge that is my biggest challenge right now and obviously like my eye there was a point where I had to push some clients from May and June July are now because I had to they said Erin you can put us on hold I had to change the way in which I coached for a period of time because I couldn't see out of my right eye so that was the second challenge what goals and dreams do you have for the future? I want to be an example to all dance professionals and artists, and I want to be a millionaire, and I want to show them that it's possible, and I want to share about it openly. I one day hope to have like a nonprofit organization. Maybe it's not nonprofit, but I do want to have some kind of organization that helps dancers understand finances that I'm not teaching, that somebody else comes in and teaches. So those are my goals right now, and to keep getting better at what I do. Like I really want to just keep getting better and learning. I want to become a great epic marketer like I love marketing and I want to just be really good at it and I just want my curriculum for Dance for Academy to continue to grow and get better what advice
advice would you give to your 10 year old self? Baby, you're already a star. That's it. <laughs> Where can people get in touch with you and find out more about all the things you offer? Awesome. So I have the Dance Boss Podcast. It's on all the platforms, iTunes, whatever, Google Play, all the things. And it's just Dance Boss Podcast. An episode comes out every Thursday. And I'm always on Instagram at Erin Pride. That is my maiden name. Yeah, so it might be switching, but you can find me right now at Erin Pride. <laughs> well, Erin, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you. That was so fun. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Erin, so much for joining us today. Make sure you go and check out the Dance Boss Podcast. Remember, you can find all of our previous episodes on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Please feel free to get in touch with any feedback or questions you have via DM on Instagram at Dance Matters Podcast. Keep dancing. And remember, listen, love and learn. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.